Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk, a podcast on recovery with Elizabeth Pudwell and MG. We bring you our experience, strength, and hope from a variety of sources, therapy, 12-step recovery, and life lessons of long-term sobriety. To contact us, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Sober Sisters Talk. We're glad you're here. Now here's our next podcast. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Welcome. Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm CJ. And together we are Sober Sober Sisters Sisters Talk. Talk. Um, So right before we we began recording the podcast, I was mentioning to CJ... um, that I wanted to share a story with her. And so I'm not giving her any time to think about this. I'm going to, I'm just going to talk about something that I experienced and then we're going to go into the topic. So, um, I was with my daughter uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in the car and she had shared with me, she's, um, she showed me like she got a key to her boyfriend's house. She goes, look, I got a key. And I was like, wow, you know, and then we were in the car and we were shopping together. And I said, you know, I just wanted to say something about your relationship with him. Um, because I noticed like, I'm just really proud of you, the way that you show up in this relationship, as opposed to the last one, like you've, you know, you're very different in how you're handling yourself in this relationship. And how did you, how did you manage that? And she said, well, you know, the thing is, is that I have a lot of shame about the way that I showed up in my previous relationship. And it was for you and the listeners, um, sort of, it was, first of all, she was very young, but it was also sort of very love addicty, you know, very clingy, needy, expecting, um, a lot from her mate, I think. And he was probably the same with her without really having really clear boundaries or, you know, anything spoken, but they were young. So I don't really expect them to have that in place. But so knowing that and knowing that the way that, because she was living with me when it ended and the way that it ended and the pain that she went through, there was, you know, several breakups. They would break up and then they're, you know, doing the bouncing back and forth. And she said, I have a lot of shame about how I showed up. And she said, in fact, I've apologized to him several times. And, um, I just knew I didn't want to be that way. And, um, so I said like, you know, being too clingy and needy. And she was like, yeah. And like expecting him to, and she used these words to, um, feel needs of mine that I could have filled somewhere else. And, um, I think it's kind of common for young people to do that. You know, we get, especially like if you, I don't think they, I don't think they met, they were in high school when they were doing this, but she was, she had just left school, um, college and come back home. And I think it's common for new relationships, period, for you to be like, oh, I just want to be with him all the time. I love him, you know, (laughs) he's so fun, fun, fun. And, um, knowing that to create those boundaries and that space 
in the next the next time and i thought you know she's not in program but i thought it was very program oriented of her to approach it that way and especially the the statement well two things first she made amends without calling them that for her part in it but also to um recognize where she went wrong and then to move forward and go i don't want to do that part again and um I know like I had another, I had a sponsee that I met with last night and I have actually three of them right now that are working on their social relationships, their friendships, because as they've evolved, the relationships have changed. And a lot of times I found myself in this position where it, it was like all of a sudden I'm like, I have all my friends. I don't have any friends. And, um, I had to like rebuild again. And I just think it's so important to um, have several outlets to go to, to get the, my, social, my own social needs met and not go to one source, um, whether it is your mate um, or a group of friends that you have more than one. For me, I'm a lot, I'm intense. And I, sometimes I need a lot of different support. And so if I need to go to different areas of, you know, different circles and different people to get my needs met, then I'm not exhausting one person. I hear so much. I am taking notes and trying to also just listen without thinking of how I'm going to respond or, or what I would like to say, but I have so much to say. I love your story about you and your daughter being able to have this conversation. So what I think based on the fact that you actually had this conversation is that she has let you be a privy to the details of her relationships in her life. Um, and that you do know things. And of course she lived with you, you said, when she ended the previous relationship. So you saw that firsthand. And um, I heard you say she's not in program. And I thought, ah, oh, but yes, she is because her mother's in program. <laughs> and and I, that's true. That right? True. And yeah. our kids, our kids, my children, for me, have been teachers since they were conceived basically i have been learning and transforming and changing all in the name of motherhood and uh, i recently read on a friend's instagram post something i had never heard before and it was that our children are actually wiser and spiritually older than we are and so they actually are here to teach us. Because I know my mother, I'm a little bit less crazy than my mother. I'm a little bit more contained than my mother. <laughs> Even before recovery, I was just a little bit more. She had no recovery program or therapy or anything like that. 
Um, and a lot of my behaviors, I very much copy her. So I think your daughter, you know, sees you, sees how you act in relationships, sees how you act in the world, whatever your relationship is like with um, her father, all of those things have played into this. But I am curious though, without her being in program, and program, what I have discovered, and this could be any 12-step program, not just necessarily SLAA, which is a lot of times we're talking about relationships on here, but program is a spiritual way of life. And I think they're the common things, whether it's spirituality through um, a religion, a 12-step program, or some other cultural things that I'm surely not aware of, part of that is being able to have humility and make amends where needed, having the ability just to um, see our own issues, as well as metabolize and do an autopsy on relationships that did not go so well, um, process those feelings, grieve it, and not take that baggage into the next relationship. So I'm really curious as to how your daughter has all this wisdom <laughs> that she did not have in the first relationship because I'm not convinced that it's a product of she's just, you know, older and more mature now. Because I know until I came into recovery well into my 40s that um, I kept having the same relationship problems with men and women over and over and over again. Right. I think maybe, um, well, because we didn't have this conversation today, but I was telling her, um, she is a preschool. She works a teacher. She works in a preschool. And um, we were talking about um, young kids and, you know, trauma and where it comes from. And so I was telling her, and this is just an example of, I think, how she learned it, is that when she was a teenager, I took her, I, I wanted to put her in therapy because I, I just felt like there was some stuff going wrong with her. And um, <clears throat> I met with the therapist first and I had this, the therapist asked me all these questions and, you know, I answered all her questions and at the end, the therapist says, well, I've asked you a lot of questions. Do you have any um, for me? And I said, yeah, what's wrong with her? And what are you going to do to fix her? And the therapist said, well, your daughter has a lot of trauma. She has trauma from the divorce. She has trauma from you sending away her away to um, California every summer for summer school or for the mm -hmm. summers. Um, she has trauma from all the moves that you have had. Um, a move to a child is as traumatic as a divorce. And you've moved six times just in the time that you've been living in Texas. And um, she has trauma from you going to jail. And she has trauma from your raging at her. And she has trauma from this and trauma from that. She listed all these things. And at the end, I left there and I called my sister and I said, I know what's wrong with Samantha and it's me. <laughs> so I think um, being able to share with her 
and I've made amends to Samantha. Like I, you know, didn't want to show up that way with you. And I wished I hadn't have done that. And so I think that doing that is just an example, you know, and it was never done with the intention of teaching her to do that. But I've always talked to her since I've been in program, like, look, you cannot change the other person. You can only change you. And, um, you know, whether she got that from me or through osmosis or whatever, but she's also, I agree with you that our kids are older. And, um, I do think when that, when that child was put in my arms for the first time, all wrapped up and cleaned, I was like, Oh my goodness, this child is older than me and I can feel it. I knew she was going to teach me a lot more than I was going to teach her. Isn't that the truth? Um, just thinking about that moment when I first held my baby and that's the closest I've ever come to experiencing like perfection or heaven on earth I can still smell that new baby smell I mean the the sights the sounds everything and yeah wow and then I found out a day later that he did not pass his newborn hearing screening test and all of a sudden my euphoria my new parent euphoria turned into shock and even though I was told that it's just a screening you know you need to go to the audiologist and follow up and all of those things my heart I don't know if it was fear or my heart just knew that my child couldn't hear and it was never anything that I expected. So having a child who was born hearing impaired, born deaf, and having to navigate something that I did not have a clue about, my, you know, my husband and I together doing that, it just, it has changed me, changed us, it changed our relationship. And then um, his uh, younger brother was also born deaf and... Are you kidding me? I had no idea. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. So they, they've worn hearing aids since they were a month old. Uh, the first five years of their life, we were at speech therapy. Um, and then eventually their hearing um, diminished more in about, oh geez, a couple years before I got into program and stayed in program, they had cochlear implants surgery and it is nothing about their disability has ever held them back. Never, ever. And, um, I guess with anything, you know, it just shows me that um, there's, there's such amazing technology and grace in the world. They both say they've never been bullied, um, about it, which was a big fear of mine. And, um, 
yeah, they're just, they're my teachers for sure. Definitely. I love what you said about accepting the your partner, you know, or accepting the people in your life. That's been one of the biggest lessons that I have learned through, probably through Al-Anon, is acceptance of uh, my husband. With Al-Anon, it's with my husband, you know, but I carry that over. And um, just accepting people the way that they are, not trying to change them. And also learning through um, family of origin work about basic needs and that I had this ideal and I think many people probably do that our romantic partners are supposed to meet 100% of our needs. They're supposed to make the money, mow the lawn, buy the house, <laughs> plan the most romantic dates, take me on vacation and be my emotional support and my entertainment my sexual pleasure, like, whoa, that, and you know, friend, my, my confidant, my therapist, go my everywhere with me, cheerleader. Yeah. That's like, can you imagine the pressure that it's just too much when, whenever I hear someone say mostly a woman, but because I don't think I ever hear men say this, but whenever I hear someone say she's my world, or she's my everything. Uh, yes. The exact same response. I just like, oh, I cringe. No, they're not. <laughs> I have a cringy face, listeners. A very cringy face. Because that's the fantasy. So there is a rescue fantasy out there. And actually, I have worked with women whose uh, husbands or, or partners, boyfriends, identify as love addicts. And I want to jump out of my skin when they tell me how their partners act towards them. And actually, I did have a friend um, that we've since parted ways, but her husband was like that with her. One time we went on a girls weekend and they had been married over 20 years and she told me she had never been away from him for a weekend. And it reminds me, I think I heard that Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney, or maybe it was John and Oko, never spent, uh, Yoko Ono, never spent any time apart. And I thought, well, it's a good thing that he didn't live to be very old because that would get really <laughs> old after a while. Like, that, you know, that's really spooky to me now but at the time I thought oh my gosh that's the most romantic thing I have ever heard they must absolutely like love each other soulmates twin flames the whole shebang but what I learned uh through my through my work is that truly a partner who is committed to uh you know say like in marriage or in a committed partnership can only meet 20% maximum and that's on a great day of any of my needs and the rest I got to take care of myself or be interdependent with someone else and interdependence is a is a big thing and I'm probably thinking that um, you know your daughter's relationship has more interdependence with her boyfriend and therefore yes the, the pressure cooker is not there and the 
the clinging, the needy, the sucking, the energy from the relationship is not there. And I heard you say that he's not here all the time. So they can't spend every waking minute together. And actually when I heard that, I thought, oh, that sounds like a really good relationship. <laughs> Somebody who's time. not here all the time. I love that. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's just such a, it's like the perfect design, you know, and then, and they have these separate lives that they do during the week and they, they talk and stuff, but they're not like with each other. And then he comes back. And so there is this like, you know, this reunion, but of course that, you know, they've been going out a little more than a year now and they're, they're so much more relaxed and, you know, they're not, she's not like, well, I can't do anything because Garrett's in town. You know, it's not like that at all. They're a lot more relaxed and a lot more um, comfortable with each other and the love that they have. And it's just, it's really, uh, it's beautiful. And I, I do, you know, you mentioned something about the 20%. So how do you know, like what needs, like, how do you discern? Like I can do this with my partner, but then I need this and this and this to get, because I don't have a partner and haven't for a long time. So let's take, for example, physical nurturing. That's a basic human need, which by the way, I didn't know that. I thought, oh, you know, I don't need to be touched. I can just be a loner. Ooh, I don't want that. Don't touch me. Now, that's one extreme of my um, my disease. Because the other extreme is let me hang on you every single second. Um, physical nurturing. So, I could... Uh, there's various ways I guess that I could get that. I could hold hands with my husband. Um, I could expect him to hug me all the time. I could expect him to, um, you know, always want to sit next to me on the couch. Those kind of things. That's just one person. And um, I'll be very vulnerable here with the listeners. That's not the kind of relationship I'm in now because... I have to have boundaries and create emotional sobriety within my marriage. And because we don't have emotional intimacy, I don't allow myself to be very physical with him. Not sexual, physical. So there's a difference. I'm talking a difference between physical nurturing and sexual, um, sexual nurturing, sexual pleasure. So the things I do, um, and I'm going to call this like outside of a pandemic, but even during the pandemic, I had my few people, like my few safe women that we were all practicing the same type of measures to ensure that we were doing everything we could not to get sick, um, giving hugs. So like after a meeting, asking someone, may I give you a hug and realizing like that gives me good feelings. Um, I schedule a monthly massage, 90 minutes. And when I'm in the massage, I used to uh, go through my to-do list or be thinking about this problem or that problem or, you know, that guy or this gal, right? But I stay very present to the sensations that are being created in my body through the touch. And this feels good or no, this doesn't feel so good. Um, also with a pet, right? You have ginger. I have Liberty Bell. We actually do get oxytocin and good feelings. 
There she is. That's right. She heard me. So that's just some examples of how I, 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 I don't let myself get deprived. Also, it could be, so for example, um, swimming in a pool, immersing my body in water. Uh, I know you talk about when in the shower, using scrubs and nice, nice body washes and things like that. Getting a pedicure, manicure, that's all physical nurturing. And I didn't even have to be married or have a boyfriend to get all that. See? Very good. Mm -hmm. I do think that it is. And I, I think you can do the same thing with all aspects of your needs. You know, your, own, your, your social needs, you know, even eating. You know, we can eat with different people. You know, we can share... I really enjoy eating with other people. And um, this afternoon I was, I have um, this sort of developing relationship with one of the women at work that I don't normally, you know, do, see all the time. And um, so that, a couple of weeks ago, we were going to get lunch from the same place. And today we did. And I said, you know, well, let's eat together. Those types of things are really, um, that's really helpful for me to have, people at work that I socialize with and that I eat with. And then I have, like, I go to yoga three or four, probably four days a week, hopefully maybe sometimes five, um, walking the dog. All of those things are all different ways of me getting my needs met. And I do, you know, get my needs met with the dog a little bit. I also, and I don't have a partner, but I do have, my daughter and I have um, my granddaughters and my granddaughters love to sleep with me when they spend the night. And so we cuddle a little bit, you know, and then I push them over and they fall asleep. <laughs> and then through the night, you're getting an elbow to the head and a foot to the yes. ribs. Yes, exactly. But, and I just push them away, you know, but that's that again, though, that is a, a boundary, you know, like for me to sleep, you know? So I love I love that. And I love to like, I have different women, not mentors, but close friendships with close relationships with that I will go to for different things. You know, one of my, um, usually when I have issues with my kids or my grandkids, something along the line with my, my offspring, I go to my sister or someone that has children. Because people that don't have children don't know. <laughs> I, one time I called um, one of my friends and she doesn't have any kids. And she was like, you just cut them off. That's it. And I was like, okay, that's good advice. Thank you. And I called somebody who had kids, you know, who understood like the pain involved in that, you know, and it was really helpful. Yes. This is reminding me, what, what this is reminding me of is that, um, in our friendships, you know, one, this one best friend cannot meet all of our just friendship needs either. Um, I've always been, since I was a little girl, always had a best friend. Now I see, I think I'm seeing like right now in the moment that I had a pattern of always having a best friend because I maybe could never be without one now that I think about it. And I will say, like, they were pretty, you know, good relationships as far as, um, you know, being, uh, knowing each other well and just having fun and all the thing that, 
childhood and teenage friendships are about. But when I went to college, I start, that is when I started hiding from people, hiding myself, because that's when I started drinking to loosen up and really, really um, changing my focus from um, everything else in life to uh, finding romantic and sexual partners, hookups, boyfriends, and I remember at the end of college, my best friend and roommate had graduated early and she moved away and my boyfriend broke up with me and I literally had no one, not a single friend, not in my classes, not in my sorority, no one. I felt so, so lonely. It was a terrible, terrible withdrawal. I almost didn't graduate from college. It was, um, it was really, really bad. And then I really spent the next five years like that after I graduated and, and went to work. Um, and then I got married and then I thought, oh. So I had drinking buddies and party friends, but I really did not have, you know, a, a true friendships like I have now. And when I first started working with you, um, what, six years ago, and the first thing you told me to do was make an emergency card. And it was a note card. I don't know if you still do this with women you sponsor or not. But I do this with the women I sponsor. I send them a picture of the one that I made. And um, it had 10 things to do before I broke no contact. Which were impossible. Okay, but it was a great concept. <laughs> Sometimes I would make it like halfway down the list. So the first thing was pray to God. And remember that this is not what I want. And then, um, I don't know what was number two, but number three, I had a list of 10 women's phone numbers written on this card that I could call. And the idea was I would just keep calling until someone picked up or I would call the first person, uh, you know, talk with her. I say talk, probably like cry and wail and moan and, 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 Yes, all those things for five minutes, but there was a time limit because I can share five minutes each with 10 different women, but I cannot expect like one woman, one woman to listen to me for 50 minutes. You know what though? But when I was in withdrawal and I was newly sober, I didn't even have a clue. I didn't even have a clue. You know, I thought I could just talk and talk and talk until someone would be like, oh, you know, the cake's burning, gotta go, or whatever excuse they would make up to get off the phone with me. So, um, I've learned to use boundaries, right, with uh, calls. And I love these outreach calls now that are kind of popular. Um, the three minute, you know, the three and three with feedback. So, some I share for three minutes, I get a minute of feedback. The other person shares for three minutes, and I give a minute of feedback. And we got our timer, and the call's over in ten minutes. Yeah, I do too. I think it, I think structure, I mean, I love structure and it works. It works for me. And I love the concept of having different friends for different areas of my life. You know, I have a couple of people that I run into at yoga and it's like, you know, we have like a five minute conversation in the beginning of class. And, and then I have other people that, you know, I just have all these different like areas of friends. I even have different friends in different meetings. And um, I think 
even more so in this pandemic, it's just so important for me to spread myself out. And, you know, I don't have the luxury of going to the Friday night meeting and, you know, then going to dinner afterwards with all of my, with all my buddies, you know, that's, that just doesn't exist anymore. So I think even more so I have to be more cognizant, more intentional about having friends, you know, having people in my life that I can, what are you barking at? Hey. She said, don't forget me. She's barking at something out the window. I don't know. So I think that Ginger, hey, come here. Tell she's not done. So I think that in, in, I need you to stop. I think to in wrapping up and thinking about this topic, you know, it it's not really just about the partner and approaching that relationship different from how you did. But I do think it's really important that you have a self-awareness. I do in my own search for a partner, I have a really, a very, very big self-awareness of what my stuff is. And every date that I go on, I get more. And um, so I would just like to share that you just really be aware of what you do not want to repeat in the next relationship and know without a doubt that there isn't one person, male, female, a best friend or a husband or a partner or whatever you want to call that, that can meet all your needs. And I think it's too much to try to expect them to. And I love what you said too. Like, I don't let myself get too desperate. You know, don't let myself get desperate. Do not let myself get into a desperate stage because that is like, I'm over the edge there. Yes, when I get depleted or deficient or feel that I don't have enough, that's when my addiction really wants to kick up and say, you know what, you've been working so hard, you're so tired, you're not getting this, you're not getting that, you're really entitled to some fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was the word you used, deprived, yes. Deprivation, yes. Yes. So that's a physical attention. Even you can, like you said, we can give it to ourselves. You can, you know, a long shower with, you know, a process of slopping and good, you know, bath salts and all of that stuff, lotion afterwards, uh, a pedicure or a manicure will do that, a massage, all of those things. And if you cannot get out to get one, if the pandemic is preventing that, then do it yourself, you know? Get a YouTube video and, and what, yeah. <laughs> Fuzzy blanket, weighted blankets. I have a whole list. I guess Very I do. Cozy little, yes, your yes. own little spot. Yeah, all of those things will work. Any last words? I think we just talked about it all. We really did. <laughs> I think the, the thing I really want to um, go back to, though, about your daughter is that People are watching us, and sometimes we're the only example of program anyone will see. Um, so, yeah, the kids are watching. And they're going to do what you do. They're paying attention. Yeah, they do. 
And I, you know, I admire her. I really do. I want a lot of what she has in that relationship, which is why I asked her. So you're going to get it. I know you will. Well, thank you listeners. And um, we'll be back next week with more uh, Sober Sisters Talk. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.sobersisterstalk.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week.